Hello and welcome to Things You Don't Need to Know. I'm Ari Kagan. This episode is a story that you don't need to know from a friend of mine. It's the time he got married in college. The first time he told me about it, he called it a green card marriage, but um, I think I think there's a lot more to it than that. All right, what's up, uh, Ari Kagan listeners? My name's Noah Gaynor. I'm a uh, nice man. What, you know. what kind of intro is this? <laughs> what's my intro supposed to be? I mean, I think a lot of people would classify you as a nice man, yes. So what's the problem? Well, you have a story to tell today. Yeah, but I don't know which part of the story do you we want. We start from the beginning. Every story starts from the beginning. It's right. just about knowing where the beginning is. Yeah, that's my problem. This story begins at Juilliard, the Performing Arts Conservatory located at 60 Lincoln Center Plaza, New York, New York, 10023. I went to an acting school that um, took a lot of foreign students. Um, you went to an acting school? Yeah. He went to Juilliard. All right, dude, we don't got a name drop. And while he was there, he met someone. Kind of started dating right when I got there. How was it? It was really cool. It was like, it was honestly, it felt like my first like kind of adult relationship where like we really respected each other. We really helped each other out. There was real love. It was going really well. They moved in together and they'd been in a relationship for about two years. There was only one problem. She was from England. One of the things they don't tell you when you're being admitted, when you're international is that you know, to stay in the country after, especially as an artist, especially as an actor, is very difficult. It requires obtaining an O-1 visa, which is reserved for individuals who possess extraordinary ability. I was in my third year at school. She had just graduated. She gets a movie with um, this guy named Woody Allen. She even got him to write her a letter to the government saying that she should stay. and. We thought like that that was her ticket to getting her uh, visa, this O-1 visa. Basically, I'm in like the most intense part of my training and she goes to this lawyer as kind of the last resort and gives her whole like packet, application, everything. And this lawyer says, I'm not willing to represent you because I don't think you have a strong enough case. And that was basically the turning point. She calls me, I'm on literally a five minute break at school and she's crying and says, you know, I don't know what to do. And I had been thinking about it for a while. She, I've learned, had been waiting for me to ask, but basically I just said like, let's just go get married. What was that like? It was weird because I remember in the moment feeling like kind of like relieved because I was like this will just like fix this problem like that's what it felt like it felt like I don't know it felt like throwing money at something or throwing it's like the easy way out which is so weird because it created that's not what it was um but I remember hearing how relieved she was so I go back into rehearsal and then I think I came back out for my next break and I call my parents aren't both your parents divorce attorneys not both of them Okay. No, my dad is a uh, shout out to Paul. He's a consultant now, but he was with the attorney general of Illinois for a while doing complex litigation. Um, shout out to Al Capone. Yeah. I mean, that was some real shit. He was dealing with like the mob in, in Chicago. And do they listen to this? Because <laughs> they might. Yeah. 
I was just kind of frankly waiting for the call. This is Noah's father, Paul. So when I got that call, I wasn't, I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't like the happiest day of my life, but it was, I was anticipating it. My dad, it really had my back. And I, I don't know how other parents would react to that, but I was freaked out and he did not make me feel freaked out. I asked him if there weren't a risk of her having to leave the country, you wouldn't be getting married, right? You know, it's kind of the, the so-called but for test, as they say, but for her, you know, having to leave, you wouldn't be getting married. He said, that's right. I said, so, okay, so then this isn't like a marriage. This is like a transaction. On the other hand, I also said to him, if I were your age, because I remember when I didn't have experience, I, I can't criticize you. I'd, I'd, I'd want to do the exact same thing you want to do. So my mom is a divorce lawyer. Actually, she's, what she is is a family lawyer, so she'll do prenups as well. Anyone in Chicago listening, gainerlaw.net. Yeah, it's a .net, I know. The net was big at the time. The net, the net was big at the time. Um, and my mom was in the middle of divorcing people, so she wasn't really concerned. She, she agreed with him. You know, I'm, I'm the mom, and I'm also a divorce attorney. And when I saw what they were doing, I'm like, you know, we, we know how this ends. I think at the time I was 21. Jesus. I basically then, I go into school. I have to go up to the administrative director's office and ask for three hours off the following Monday. This all took place on a Thursday. So after a very long weekend, it was the day of the wedding. Going down to the city clerk's office, you walk in there and you've got like women in these huge gowns and, and guys in tuxes. And there's these like places, like tons of people selling flowers outside and a huge backdrop in this long hall hallway where you can like take a picture in front of like the New York skyline. <laughs> there's like a souvenir area and there's like two rooms with, you know, two chapels, basically. Living in New York, I went to go check it out myself and it is exactly as he described it. You have to have a witness too. So we, one of my classmates came who was a, um, he was from South Africa. And so I thought it was appropriate because he was gonna probably have to go through with this same process, which he did. Um, actually, he did get married as well. So how did that go? It's going. Huh? That one's that one's going. So yeah, that one worked out. Um, give it time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, one thing my mom does say though, and this is something that uh, she always says. You know, talk to me in 12 years. Apparently, 12 Ooh. is the number. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. We walk in there. So I was wearing a denim shirt with a nice. Uh, navy, a chambray. A chambray. There we go. And the woman who was very sweet officiating the, the, the marriage, the ceremony, she had us like say all the shit. And then she was like, all right, you can now say your vows. And I did not have anything prepared. So I, th I think I remember saying something like, we're doing it. <laughs> I love you. And she said like a really nice thing. Yeah. And, and in that moment, you realized you would never have a successful acting career. Yeah. I mean, or just I'm too honest. I mean, first we're of all, we're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. Um. <laughs> but she believed it. And that was like the that was the big thing was like, I. Why didn't you believe it? Because I didn't want it. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't want. I think like, I don't know. I always had this thought in the back of my mind that I was like, this isn't forever. Um. It just didn't feel like it was forever, but nothing does to me. So I'm kind of like, maybe that's a problem I have, but it's just different. The culture is different in England. 
people who are 24 uh, years old are getting married and having kids, at, at least the ones who had gone to school with, with her. And, and so it wasn't so weird. It was like a, mm-hmm. it felt kind of right for her. And, um, and I also think like the security of like after graduating and having been through like her first couple professional gigs, she was like, she felt like it was right. And I was very much in the thing of like, I'm like a skinny ass kid who like now is finally like becoming a man. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but that was the moment that I realized inside of me that, um, I did not understand what I was signing up for at all. After the break, married life. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Welcome back. Um, I know my producer hates this joke, but if you're just joining us, Noah has gotten married and is adjusting to his, his new life. Did everything change at that point in the relationship? Oh, yeah. Like, what was the first week like after getting married? It was like this tug of war between transaction and like wanting to believe like the actual romantic mm-hmm. kind of like this mm-hmm. is supposed to be this way. Like my ex's family being, you know, the the, the British, they were like very excited. Mm-hmm. Like we're like, God, we've been waiting for Noah to do this. And that was another weird thing for me because I was like, why didn't anyone say that to me then? Like yeah. if you were waiting for me to do it. I got a ring. That was a big moment because it was like we got to do all this stuff to sell this. And... I started wearing it and I would get reactions all the fucking time. I got back to school after summer and I was wearing it. One of my classmates, the guy who was my witness at the, at the wedding was like, God, it's just so weird to see that on your hand. I kept having the thought, like, I just need support, please, from everyone. Like, I don't need to hear how weird it is. I already feel weird. And like my class threw a party for me and my ex didn't want to come because she was so embarrassed. That was one of the times I really loved being married because I was like, oh my God, people are like celebrating us. Like they, they were celebrating this thing that I hadn't fully celebrated myself. You know, my grandpa, like who I love, who's a great guy, he got married when he was 21. So he calls me <laughs> and he's like, 
you know, were, were the same. And I'm like, yeah, except that was 1957, I think. <laughs> I'm from a different generation. You know, I, I got married at that age and almost everybody I knew was married at about that age. I, I said to him, well, you know, my dad says this is a transaction like that. This is, you know, obviously we're still together. We want to be together, but this is not a real marriage. And he said, let me tell you something. All marriages are, you know, the thing they have in common is it's a yes or no question. And you said yes. So now you're married. So I wouldn't think anything otherwise. I, uh, I didn't view it as a transaction. And, and I really doubt that, that they did. It, it seemed to me that they were in love. So, so you're married for, for about a week at this point in my storyline. Yeah. And you've realized that things are a little different. Yeah. And people are all around you telling you different things in your family and kind of just like trying to help you out and support you. Yeah. What was it like between you and her? It was um, really confusing. Like there were these moments where we, we kept talking about it. We kept talking about what it meant, what we were doing. This was a time when I was very, I never wanted any conflict. So I was always trying to be like, I would say whatever would make her feel good. And so I did a lot of indulging the real part of the marriage, which I really regret now because I think it created it created expectations that I even didn't believe, mm-hmm. and but she did. Where did you live? One ten and no, one hundred six in Columbus. It was kind of oh, nice okay. over there. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of nice. Um, with a roommate. Oh, which was kind of. What was that like? It was just weird. Like the whole thing was weird. Like we were in a real relationship. I mean, we did everything. Yeah. Like the weirdest was like we were around. She was doing a play, and we were around like a bunch of actors who were were older than us by like you know, at least 20 years. And they, they would all be like, so how's your husband? So, you know, the husband. And I'd be like, don't do that. Like, you don't even believe that. And like you, you know, but, but it was real. It was what it was. It was, that's what it was. Did you ever go to weddings together? No, we did cater weddings together. Oh, fascinating. Which was kind of weird. So I think we've at this point been married for, March to October, so whatever amount of months that is. If you guessed seven, you're correct. I think she was doing a play or some shit or was not there. I don't remember why. And my dad called me. And he had cleared this had been on his mind for a while, clearly. And he was the one guy, transaction, transaction. Like, this is not real. Like, please don't, you know. So anyway, he calls me. He says to me, you know, something's about to happen. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you're becoming like a man, like the way you look. And I was like, thank you. I felt that the the problem for Noah in this relationship was he's a social, uh, outgoing person who who should have been engaging it with more people. And she wasn't. (laughs) Not that, again, I'll say over and over, really good person, nice person, all of that. But she didn't want to even leave the apartment, literally. We never drop the J name because it's just too irritating, but he was at a really prestigious institution and the opportunities that he had all the time to hang out with certain people or be with certain people, that's what it's all about. And I was very concerned that he wasn't passing up those opportunities. He gives me the spiel of like, when I was your age, I was having a lot of sex with different women. I mean, this is literally what he was saying to me. 
I didn't envision my son, who had dated a couple women in his life, that this was going to be the last stop on the tour of, you know, life's relationships. He's like, as your dad, I just want you to have experiences and I want you to explore and I want you to, like, put yourself out there. And so just remember what I've been telling you about this marriage. And that conversation hit me very hard. You know, I just wanted him to get out. So it was really just like, okay, get out. You know, I want, but I didn't say that, okay? Because I also knew that he had to get to this decision by himself. I remember thinking, okay, I'm not staying. That was the moment when I was like, okay, I'm not staying married. It's interesting because I went on to be married for a year after that conversation, which is kind of wild. So then I graduate from school. That was a big moment too. I started being like, oh shit, okay, how's my life? Getting? I went from having these 14-hour days at school to um, to just having like free days, side jobs, and just like fucking around. I started wanting to like have other people in my life from, you know, other times, like friends from Chicago who now live in New York, people who were not actors. And my ex was like very, she just wasn't, we didn't have similar interests when it came to that stuff. I got my like, first job that was going to take me out of town. It was a feature film by the name of Dead Sound. So I go out to do this movie. It was in it was in Block Island, which is a really fun place. We were actually in an okay spot when I left. And four days in, we have our first day off. And I call my wife to say, I love you. I'm having my first, we're going to go out can't wait to tell you all about everything tomorrow i have the whole day off like we can facetime whatever she has a full-on breakdown is like i need you to talk to me right now otherwise like i'm gonna lose my shit i was like you're ruining my first movie experience like (laughs) which you know she was so then so then i hang up she calls me like 40 times i'm getting wasted not answering and then i basically go to sleep at like 4 a.m and I woke up at eight and I knew I was going to call her and end our relationship. And I FaceTimed her and I said, I will do anything you want, anything that you need to keep your green card to have you stay in the country, but I'm done. I'm done. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing I can say. This is it. And that was horrible. Why? I mean, first of all, I think that's kind of shitty. I think there's no good way to do it. But like, you know, I know the criticism I'll get from like, it's very easy to get pissed at someone for doing it that way. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, you're not giving like the full. So then from that point on, we only corresponded via email and it was mm-hmm. very formal and super uncomfortable. Three weeks later, Noah would return to New York and she would move out of their apartment. Going into an apartment that you've shared with someone for a long time and seeing half the shit gone is a very, that was the, and that was the first person I ever lived with. And like, that was shocking to me. And that made me realize it was, it was for real. I remember just thinking like, do I just like do things alone now? Do I, you know, and then also just like, did I just hurt? Did I just ruin this person's like life? So how did you actually get divorced? What was kind of interesting was we were in the middle of doing a post-nup, which is the same as a prenup, except after. (laughs) Um, And 
my mom can't practice. Um, she, she, you know, the laws in different states are different for, for all of this shit. And so she had gotten us a lawyer to do the, or gotten me a lawyer to do the post nup. And I was supposed to call him to schedule a meeting to do that. And then eventually I was getting divorced. So I called him and I was like, Hey, remember that thing we were going to do? Can you actually represent me for something else? And so it was pretty simple, like, because we didn't share anything. Um, you know, had no assets or anything. It was just kind of like, you got to sign these papers. And then it took like a certain amount of time to process, which is, I think why she ended up getting the green card. Cause we, we split up in October, almost November. We got technically divorced in April. So it took like a long time. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing her signature on the paper. Like that was the last like correspondence I had with her was seeing her signature on the fucking divorce paper well i think the divorce itself was painful as all divorces are even though it was pretty bloodless um and and it just took time to get done and it was sad uh, almost all divorces are sad no matter how nasty they start out uh, so this was just a sad end to a sad breakup these connections you build with people and the and the relationship you build is, is is has a lot of layers to it and i just don't even know if i'll ever be married again or if i'll ever be in something like that because i don't trust it and i don't i don't find it to be it's so funny cuz my next girlfriend was this person who like really wanted like the like disney you know, we're meant for each other and you're the one and all this bullshit. And I remember being like, God, maybe I should go along this path now because like I didn't really indulge it in that way. And now I'm just like, no. Mm -hmm. When you're forming these partnerships, which are great things, like don't be thinking about all this bullshit and don't be worrying about the marriage. Don't be worrying about what it may turn into just be with the fucking person and try to build on like helping each other and helping yourself and, and loving and enjoying it and, 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 and indulging the hard parts. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's, it's made me had a, have a really hard time opening up to people in a way that I truly believe will be worth it for someone to want to be with me. And I don't say that to like have a pity party cause fuck off. But I do say it to be like, look, it definitely, fu it fucks with me. But I think the success, at least the, the success from this one was that like, I think we both actually made each other better for going through all of this shit together. And like, there was obviously trauma as there is in any relationship ending. And yet like, I never felt any sort of like hate towards her or like any sort of negative feelings. I felt just like, it was almost like it really just felt like the end of a like a, the end of a chapter. You know, he wasn't ready to get married. This is Noah's grandfather again. But uh, you know, I, I wouldn't characterize it as a, as you know as a green card marriage at all. And it's interesting. I mean, if you look at the at, at the end of it, you know, she got the green card right, and she's in back in England. It wasn't like she's desperate to be here, except for him. A couple months after they got divorced, that summer actually, she booked a play in Noah's hometown of Chicago. 
And um, my grandpa went to the show. I fucking knew it. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Her picture was on all of the, uh, on all the lampposts, you know, and, uh, and we, we go to that theater anyway. So I went to see the play. And he waits after. Oh, my God. And he took her out to a bar. And this is honestly the sweetest fucking thing. And I love this guy for this because like this, this is what gave me the closure was she said to him, apparently, you know, I feel like I fucked it up. And I think she felt that way because while I, she, I think she regretted losing her shit when I was on my first job. She said like, I feel like I fucked it up. I feel like I ruined it and it's my fault. And he said to her, it's no one's fault. You know, you were young and like that he loved both of us. That honestly is some sweet ass fucking shit. I really hope you enjoyed that. Um, we'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled programming. I'll be playing professional poker. And as always, thanks for listening. Things You Don't Need to Know is a Hyperobject Industries production. The show is hosted and written by me, Ari Kagan, and produced by Harry Nelson, Claire Slaughter, Jordan Allen, and also me. Additional help from Daniel Truo Matis, our executive producer is Adam McKay. If you like things you don't need to know, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and hit subscribe. Also, if you like this show, I'd really appreciate it if you give us a review. It really helps us out. Believe it or not, in the next episode, I am flying to Vegas to play poker. It's the first time I've ever gambled in a casino, so I have no idea if it will be any good, but I can guarantee you we'll have a good episode. So wish me luck, and I will let you know what happens next week. Next week.